You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our friends at MyBookie. All you have to do, guys, the season, it, I mean, it, I hate to say it, but it's running out. But we are we still have time. There's still plenty of football games left to bet on. You got the NFL, you got college basketball. So it's not too late to, to get in on this deal. All you have to do is go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code UGA, and whatever that first deposit is that you'll make, they will match that up to $200, and that's going to be in straight cash. And one, all you have to do is bet that deposit. So if you deposit 50 bucks, once you bet 50 bucks, that cash will be available to you to be withdrawn so you can use it on whatever it is you want to use it on. So you can't beat that, guys. Jump in on the action today. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. I am your host, Tyler. And once again, back with me for yet another edition of the Glory UJ Mailbag is the star of the podcast, my co-host, Charlie. Charlie, I, I meant to send this to you. I had another couple, actually a couple of people. Give you some shout outs on social media again this week. I had somebody email me talking about Go Charlie. And it's like, God, man. Hey, guys, I'm here too. Not just kidding. You are the star of the podcast. People love you. How does that feel? Thank you. you, you Feels wonderful. It does, right? I'm not sure I believe you, but thank you. People like you. I mean, it's, it is not hard to believe. I'm supposed to be nice to Charlie now, right? So it's definitely not hard to believe. What's not to love about Charlie? I hear some sarcasm there. No, no, there. no, no. I, you, you are the star of the podcast. I recognize it. I like doing the ad reads. I, I don't, I don't know how you do it. You don't even like prepare for it. The ad reads I do, like type out notes. You just like go off the cuff, and I'm like, dear God, I can't do that. You are. You're the star of the podcast. Well, thank We're you. We're just glad you're here. But again, it's Charlie's sarcasm. world. It's Charlie's world. We're glad you're here. <clears throat> how was Thanksgiving? Did you survive? I was shocked we're recording this on Monday. I was shocked that I didn't get hungry today considering I ate like 5,000 calories for several days. How many Thanksgivings do you have to do? Uh, two. Two? Do you... And we did them in the same day this year and that was kind of oh. rough. So did you actually eat like full meals at both of them? The second the s- time. The first time like just like just picking? Picking, yeah. Are you sure, Charlie? I know you. You can put away some food. I can, but you, it's I... It's like impressive to watch you like when you're hungry you're like, wow, that's impressive. I was waiting. I, I, I exercise a no, lot. No, you're in fantastic shape. I'm not suggesting anything contrary to that. It's just like when you, I, I've seen you in action at, at restaurants, at bars, and I mean, you just. I like to enjoy food and drink. 
And why would you not? It's incredible. It's one of the things that makes life amazing. So I'm glad you had a good time. Did they have to roll you out the second one? I ran a race on Thanksgiving morning. Yes, we, so ran that this, I we, could we eat. did run the same race. And then I exercised again during the day. Yeah, I, I, I have Played no some doubt, pickleball. I wasn't trying to insinuate anything. I just, uh-huh, I, sure. I think it's, I think listeners might be interested to know that like it's impressive to watch. Like when you find something you like, I've seen you in action. It's like whoa. Nope. Note for future reference. I probably should. Most people probably don't appreciate when you yeah. say things like that about them. Well, I mean, luckily I'm right, and I wouldn't say it about. I would not say that to anyone to else. Me. I've known you for so long that you know what I, you know. I'm just messing. I like with to you. eat. What can I say? Obviously, I would not say to someone I didn't know as well as I know you. Yeah, it's okay. I like to eat too. I can put away some food too. But uh, all right, I'm glad you survived. I survived. Everyone survived. It's great. We beat tech. Did you go to the game? You went to the game. Yep. Didn't rain. I know you were worried about that. It was a beautiful day. It was actually turned out to be a fan, uh, really a fantastic weekend in Athens. It was great. Not good for my allergies. I, I feel like I still sound bad. I don't know if my I think I feel like I need to go in the IR. Does my voice sound bad? Yeah. Like it sounds bad, right? To me, it sounds. I mean, it doesn't terrible. sound bad. You're just nasally. Well, I, I the allergies, the temperature going back and forth, and I I don't I didn't I don't think I don't had I didn't have the flu, but I had a cold for a while, and then. Really, what got me was the Tennessee game. I have not recovered from that game yet. Like I, I've never screamed as loud as I, as I did in that game for as long as I did for a sustained period of time as I did in that game. And then when you had, to, I, I haven't been screaming as loud at these last couple games, but I still make noise. And so when you do that week by week, your voice never gets a chance to recover. And so I think I need to go into IR. But hey, you got a job to do. You got to take care of business. Here I am. Sorry, so sorry, guys. If it sounds terrible. I feel like it sounds terrible, but I'm trying. Okay. I'm trying. Are you All ready right. to get started? You know what? We have a lot of questions, so yeah, let's do it. All right. Our first question comes from Gabriel. Uh, Gabriel would like to know that assuming UGA gets into the playoff, what do you think would be the best path to win another national title? Which team should we play? Would be better matchups for us? And so forth and so on. Yeah, I think if you're looking at the teams that I think are like legitimate contention for the college football playoff, I know that's up for debate. We'll see what the next rankings are tomorrow. I and I know this is going to upset some people because it might mean like I might be suggesting that playing Atlanta might not be in our best interest necessarily. I think what would be in our best interest in the semifinals is to play TCU. I think of you're looking at TCU, USC, Michigan, Ohio State, even Alabama. I maybe TCU is better than Alabama. I don't know. I, honestly, I don't know. I think TCU is a very good team. You know, I, I told you I had TCU plus six and a, over six and a half wins. I had a big bet on them. Same one I had on Arkansas, which God don't even I can't I can't believe I brought that up. Not even going there with Arkansas. I also have TCU twenty eight hundred to one to win the Big Twelve. So I'm rooting hard for TCU this weekend. I watched them very very closely because of all these bets all year long. So I feel like I know this team pretty damn well uh, considering how much I've watched them this year. They're a good team. I don't think they're as good as, they're definitely not as good as Michigan. I don't think they're as good as Ohio State. And they're, I think it's closer between TCU and USC. I just think USC with Caleb Williams has a more dynamic threat at quarterback. Max Duggan is really, really good. Quentin Johnson's a fantastic receiver. I just don't think they have the quantity of weapons on offense that USC has. Defensively, they're relatively similar. But if you look at all the, of those four teams, I think those are the other, you know, the four that are really in contention outside of uh, outside of us. And I guess you can maybe throw Alabama in there. But if you look at like, and I know this is these numbers don't tell the whole story, but if you look at yardage margins and point margins, points per game margin, TCU is behind all those teams. And they're behind USC a little bit, but they're way behind Michigan and Ohio State. So TCU is plus 
15 and a half points per game on the year. So outscoring opponents by an average of 15 and a half points. So two touchdowns ish. They're plus 1050 in their total yards margin. So outgain opponents by 1,050 yards in the year, which is solid. That's usually not the resume for an undefeated team, though. Like, for example, Mississippi State last year, guys, was a six and six football team. They were plus 1,600 yards. They just invented ways to lose games. TCU has found ways to win games. It's been the opposite of what Mississippi State did last year. And they've done that in the Big 12, which we know is not as strong of a football conference as the SEC or the Big 10. Oh, the Big 10 is kind of top-heavy this year. But TCU has been good. They just don't really have the the statistical profile of like an undefeated team, a college football playoff team. Uh, USC is not too, like they're not that much higher than TCU. They're at plus 16.2 points per game, plus 1,200 yards uh, in their yardage margin. Michigan, Ohio State on another level than those two teams. Michigan's plus 27 points per game, plus 2350 in their yardage margin. Ohio State is plus 25 points per game and plus 2275 in their yardage margin. So I do think it's in our best interest to either play TCU or USC in the semifinals. I think USC right now is the most likely team. Like if everyone if everyone wins out, right? So Georgia will be one probably. We'll see what what happens tomorrow. I mean, I wouldn't be stunned if the committee is falls victim to recency bias with Michigan's big, you know, three touchdown win on the road at Ohio State, the number 2 ranked Ohio State Buckeyes and have them jump us. I think our resume in totality is better, as I mentioned on the first episode this week. But we'll see what the committee does. I have no faith, no trust in the committee. We'll see what happens there. But let's say we stay at one, Michigan State's at two, they beat Purdue, we beat LSU, hopefully, knock on wood. TCU beats uh, Kansas State and USC beats Utah. I think, I mean, it's probably, certainly TCU will stay three, USC will be four because they have a loss. And TCU would not have a loss. We wouldn't have a loss. Michigan wouldn't have a loss. I'd be fine with that. I think that our USC's defense is... There are it's ripe to be exploited. They've actually been worse against the pass than they have against the run. You know, we, we run the football very well. We can, we can also hit you vertically down the field if you're trying to stop our run game, which you haven't been able to do as much the last two weeks, which, which we have a question about later on because teams have been playing us a little bit different. But their rush defense is still not very good. But I do think TCU is the one I would prefer to play. So if TCU is number three, if again, if, assuming everybody wins out, it might not work out that way, but let's just assume chalk, right? Assume chalk across the board and TCU wins out. I actually wouldn't hate it if we were the number two seed. Now, I know that you guys are like screaming at your phones or your radio, whatever, your computer, whatever you're using to listen to this episode right now saying, that you'd rather us not play in Atlanta? You want to go across the country and play in Arizona? No, I don't want to do that. I just want to play TCU. And if that means that we have to go to Arizona to do that, I think that would honestly be our best easiest path. If that's the question, what's the easiest path for Georgia to get to another national championship? I think playing TCU, whether that's in Atlanta or in Arizona, would be the easiest semifinal game for us. And I know you said, well, Tyler, we'd be playing USC in Atlanta, like in our backyard. Wouldn't that kind of counteract the, the fact that I think mean, USC is not that much better than TCU? And, and then we get them basically at home. I get that. I do get that. I, I mean, I'm not saying Caleb Williams scares me, but he's an X-factor, guys. Like he's an X-factor in a way that I don't think any other single player that's in contention for the college playoff that we might potentially have to face is. And that's something you have to consider. And I, I do think, obviously playing Atlanta would, would help us and they have to go across country. But I just think we have a much better chance to beat TCU. I mean, we I think we have a good chance to beat USC. I think we would beat USC. I'm not saying that like, we wouldn't beat USC. But if you ask me what is the easiest path, I think playing TCU, wherever that might be, would be the easiest path in the semifinals. And then you got to think about, okay, well, who do you match up with the national title game? Well, Let's say if we did play TCU, which is not going to happen. I think we're going to be number one. TCU is going to be number three. and We'll play USC. I think that's what's going to happen. 
Um, but like, let, let, actually, let's just say we play USC. Let's say the most likely scenario. Let's say we play USC. I mean, it'd be awesome if TCU upset Michigan. I don't think that would happen. It's not unreasonable to think it could happen. I don't think it would happen. Um, but yeah, I think like playing USC and TCU in some order in these playoffs would be our easiest path to win another national title. I know that was kind of long-winded, Charlie, but I tried to I tried to be economical. I tried. Okay, okay well, Adam has another playoff question for it's you. It's that time of year. Wants to know who will be the top four after rivalry week. That's, a, that's a hard word, rivalry. I have to say that very slowly. Yeah, I like slur it. It's bad. Say it slowly and enunciate. Rivalry. Then you just sound like, I don't know what I just sound like. An idiot. Which is par for the course. I mean, no, but kind of. Um, yeah, who's what's your, your take? What, no, what, I want to get your take. So um, tomorrow, the, the rankings come out tomorrow. I think it could be Georgia or Michigan at one Make or your pick, two. make your pick. I'm, I I'd, agree. It could be, I, I, I could see be either way. And then well, I think, think be one? TCU at three and USC at four. I think, yeah, definitely TCU at three, USC at four. The question is one or two. I, I think, think Georgia... I think Georgia won because Michigan really, other than Ohio State... Yeah, Penn State's a nice win at home. So they have two nice wins. I think they have the best win of anybody, but I think our two top wins, Oregon by you know 46 points, right. and Tennessee, which I know the final score is not really indicative of how we dominated that football game. I think those two wins are better than the two best wins that Michigan has. Plus, we play a tougher schedule overall because the SEC is just deeper and better than the Big Ten this year. So, I mean, especially like South Carolina, Charlie, they just won... Everyone's giving them a lot of credit this week, right? Two top 10 wins in a row. Great for them. The first time in program history. But um, who went in there and beat them by 40? Went in there and beat them by 40? We beat them by 40, yeah. right? So that also has to count. So I think that we still have in totality the better resume. I think we should be number one. I think we probably will. But also, I mean, the committee. It's the committee. I don't trust them at all. So it wouldn't shock me, like, completely if Michigan was it jumped us at number uh, to number one. But I think it'd be Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC. I think it'll be... Pretty uh, pretty standard there. All right. You, you good? Yeah, I'm good okay. there. Yeah. All right. Next question is from Garrett. He wants to know, is it better or worse for us since LSU lost to Texas A&M on Saturday? I don't think it's ever good if the team that you are about to play just lost the week before. It's better to me if they win, right? So they kind of feel themselves. Because when you lose a game, look, and I, I mentioned this on the, on the recap episode yesterday, when a team loses a game... Well, and let's remember, they didn't just lose a game. They lost to the they worst team in the league. They lost to Texas A&M. Who's an absolute who disaster. Deplorable. So, I... Mm, yeah. I mean, they've been the laughingstock of the SEC all year, and you go and you lose to them. when you And, and on top of that, they still had their sights set potentially on a college playoff berth. They were still nursing hopes. Hey, if we beat Georgia, if we upset Georgia, hey, who knows what happens? We have some good wins, right? And then you lose to them... And they, I mean, and Charlie, we've made fun of AM all year not scoring 30 points against an SEC team since like last October, and that you let them score 30 points on you. So I, I, I know that LSU is going to be motivated to play us no matter what. It's the SEC championship game, number one team in the country. They're going to be motivated. They're always going to be motivated. But when a team loses, especially when you lose a game like that to a team like that, and the way that you lost that game, well, you were really kind of dominated in that game. Like, really, A&M just kind of, like, beat you straight up. It wasn't a fluky thing. They just flat-out beat you. When, when something like that happens, I do think it gives the coaches the ability to grab the attention of their players in a way that they maybe previously had not. And I think that does help preparation to a small degree. I don't think it's anything insane, but I think it does help. It doesn't hurt. I think it, if it does anything, it helps. I don't think it hurts you. 
and also allows you to identify some of the weaknesses that the A&M team was able to exploit that maybe we were hoping we could exploit. Maybe they go to go to the lab and practice this week in the film room. They try to kind of correct some of those things and get those fixed up, and maybe we won't be able to exploit them the way that we otherwise maybe would have been. So, I mean, I, I do think it would have been better for us if LSU just you know went chalk and won that game, but you know it is what it is, and they lost. Yeah, our guys will have to be ready. Okay, next up, Jonathan wants to know how much confidence you have in our team going into the postseason this year compared to last year. You'd also like to know, is this team that much worse overall than our team last year, or are they just, his words, weak-minded and less hungry compared to last year's team? Weaker-minded, I think. Weaker-minded. And as a result, they play down to their competition on occasion. Yeah, it's an interesting question, Jonathan. I, uh, I... I don't think I would call this team weak-minded. I I think they've shown resiliency in the face of adversity in a way that our, the 2021 Georgia Bulldogs didn't really have to in the regular season. Like I guess we had to in the national championship game, but what game in the regular season? I guess you know the first game of the year against Clemson. I guess you could say there. But you know from the Clemson game to the national title game, like the bookends of the season, like. I guess we weren't. There wasn't a ton of adversity. I, mean, I know the SEC championship game. Yeah, we had adversity, but we lost. Like we did not answer the bell in that game. Like we just like we were not ready. Like we did not handle that adversity well. This team has had a couple of games, and I think you'd rather like not have the adversity, right? But we've had a couple of games. You go back to Missouri. Uh, certainly some adversity in that game, and to a lesser degree, the Kentucky game. We had some adversity in the first half against Georgia Tech, which is like, that should never have happened. Uh, Mississippi State, there wasn't really a ton of adversity, but you know, on the road and the way the first half ended against Mississippi State, I think this team in the regular season has faced more adversity, a good bit more than the 2021 version did. So I, I don't, I don't think that they are weak minded. I mean, if you go back and look at last year, guys. I mean, I got 10-3 against Clemson, then we, then we win. 56 7, 40 13, 62 0, 37 0, 34 10, 30 13, 34 7, 43 6, 41 17, 56 7, 45 0. Where's the adversity there? It's not there. And then when the adversity hits against Alabama in the SEC Championship game, we, we don't know how to answer. We didn't answer in that game. Now, we did do a better job of answering in the national championship game, but I, I, I would kind of dispute the notion this team is weak minded. I think the reality is, is we're not as deep and we're not as talented. In, at certain positions that were key for us last year. Uh, our inside linebackers were flat out. I mean, you guys know who we had. I mean, they were insane. It was an all-time group. They were just dominant. We're really good at inside linebacker this year. Pop is is really, really good. Smile is really good. They're not, they're not, these guys we had last year. They're not Quay. They're not Nicobe. They're not Channing. They're not there yet. Maybe they will be next year. It's not a big drop-off, but they're not those guys. You know, Nolan Smith not being in the lineup right now. I, I mean, you guys know, <laughs> you know how I feel about that. It is a major loss. And then you also don't have Trayvon Walker. That you, We don't have as much athleticism on the field in the front seven as we had last year. That is something that does concern me to a degree. When you face teams like even even LSU with Jane Daniels, with how he scrambles and what he can do with his legs, you, you face a team potentially like USC with Caleb Williams and what he can do scrambling and just being like a magician out there. You need as much athleticism on the field, especially in the front seven, as you can muster. Does a lot of things where obviously you can just you know chase down these guys and contain them better, but you also have more versatility in how you you cover them, how like how you scheme against them, and things that you can do from a coverage standpoint, from a stunt standpoint, from a blitz package standpoint. 
And I don't think we have the full arsenal at our disposal the way that we did last year because we don't have all of those guys. And on the defensive line, yes, you have Jalen Walk or you have um, Jalen Carter, who is, I mean, incredible. I mean, he, he might be the best defensive line we've had on, on the roster the past two years. I mean, you can certainly make that argument. I think maybe I would. But last year, Jalen Carter was coming off the bench, right? You knew you had guys like Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis who were monsters and, and athletic freaks in their own right. You mentioned Trayvon Walker. Like, we have some really good defensive linemen. Nah, Stackhouse, Zion Logue's been good for us. Warren Brinson's done some things for us. But they aren't those other guys, right? Like, so just the lack of, I don't say it's a lack of athleticism. It's just not the same level of athleticism. So I think that's the issue there. Um, receiver, we just, I mean, we were banged up a lot last year, but we've been really, I mean, AD being out all year. I mean, really, he's been out essentially all year long. And Lab McCong has been the only guy that we've had as like a consistent threat at receiver. And other guys have done nice jobs. They've done what they can to fill in, but they're not really like consistent threats in the past game. So I, I just, I don't think that we are as talented up and down the roster, especially defensively as we were last year. Not as deep, especially defense. We don't have the depth defensively that we had last year. And that is something that, that maybe concern is not the right word, but it's certainly something that I am aware of. So that that's what I would say, Jonathan. I don't think they're less hungry. I think they're very hungry. I think they want to prove this is a different team and we can go back to back. And I don't know if it's playing down their competition. I mean, obviously the the execution wasn't where we wanted against Kentucky at times. Well, I thought, you know, we played pretty well for the most part. And the execution of the first half against Tech was not good. Um, and we saw as well, we beat Tech 52-7, I think, you know, last year, something like that. So I, I, I just think, you know, execution at times in some of those games, obviously in the red zone against Missouri, and just the fact that I don't think that we are as deep or quite as talented as we were last year. And all right, Charlie, I know we have a lot more to get to, but I, I took the break way too late last week on the mailbag episode because I got into this and, you know, and we're just talking about things. So I want to make sure that I don't do that this time. And I know we mentioned at the outset of the show, but my bookie, Charlie, has been great to this podcast and they are by far the best sports book out there. And I know that I keep telling you guys week after week after week, hey, jump on this deal, jump on this deal. But, you know, if you've been on the fence, like sitting there thinking about it, I know I've had some listeners reach out to me in the past couple of weeks who were kind of in that position. They finally bit the bullet and made the jump and they're having a lot of fun because you don't have to bet a lot, guys. That's the thing. Like, I certainly do not advocate going beyond your means. Like, you have to bet and gamble responsibly. But, you know, it's always just a little fun. It's, it's a, I mean, we all love college football, but it makes a, 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 there's a little more fun, a little spice added to it when you have a little bit more uh, of a stake in the game. And, um, yeah, if you do responsibly, it's all fun. So go to mybookie.ag right now. They're running the promotion. If you use the code UGA, you can get up to $200 in cash added directly to your account that you can cash out as soon as you bet that initial deposit. It's a fantastic deal, guys. So make sure you jump on it while you still can so you can bet anything in anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, our next question comes from Jake the Rake. Says, do we even want to score points anymore? <laughs> Says he's getting 2019 Coley vibes with the we're saving plays talk. And he doesn't think this is the same situation because we've seen this. We haven't, Munkin has shown us more. That, he's a dynamic coordinator. More. Well, over the last two weeks, yes, I understand what you're saying because you know, look, you score 16 points against uh, against Kentucky on the road and then you come home, you come back home and you wasn't. 10-7 a half against Georgia Tech, you know, winning, going away, but 37-14, it's not the same as beating teams, you know, 55-0 and 42-10 and 48-7 and 49-3 like we saw earlier in the year. But this is where I'm going to go back, Jake DeRake. And, uh, it's a fair question. I appreciate it, man. Uh, I'm going to go back to what I was talking about, you know, last week at the, after the Kentucky game and on the recap episode yesterday after the Tech game. Those two teams played us differently than I have seen, like, literally any team play us in the last five years. Almost to a team, what they do is like from like snap one, they have guys in the box. Like they are loading that box or rolling the safeties down because they want to make us play left handed. In their opinion, making us play left handed means making us beat them with the pass game vertically down the field. That's what they want to do. They want to take away our run game. And that's kind of been every defense's MO when they've played us. Like that's just how teams defend us. Kentucky, Mark Stoops said, huh, we're going to try something a little different because. Everybody's doing that, and it's not working. Georgia's beating teams 55-0, 42-10, 48-7, 49-3 when they're doing that. So why don't we, like, I don't know, try something different and just see if we can, like, shorten the game and make them earn it and make them, you know, execute their way down the field in the run game. And it did exactly what Kentucky wanted. Like, I will get, I have to, I'm actually going to give Todd Muckin credit here. It's very tempting to just force the ball down the field in those situations. But you're putting your team at a disadvantage. That's what they want you to do. You're playing in their hands when they do that. So... You know, we've always talked about, you know, it's it's been a cliche forever. Like, what's one of the hallmarks of good coaching? You take what the other team gives you. Take what the defense gives you. Take what the offense gives you, whatever. And that's what we've been doing these last two weeks. As Tech saw what Kentucky did and said, hey, you know what? Yeah, that was cool. Let's try that. They at least kept, kept this game close and they didn't get blown out. So let's try that. And, you know, Stetson threw the ball 18 times, guys. 18 pass attempts in this last game against Georgia Tech. His previous low on the year in terms of attempts was 23, and that was against South Carolina when he was out after, what, the second or third drive of of the third quarter in that game. If he would have played the entire game, he's throwing the ball 40-plus times. And against Tennessee, threw the ball 25 times. Um, but that was because, you know, started, I don't want to say it was a deluge. I think that's kind of overplayed. It wasn't a monsoon, as people say, but it was started, started to rain. We fumbled the football, and Kirby just said, hey, we're just going to we're gonna run the football, and we're going to try to get out of this game without uh, without any chaos. And if you look at Tech, 18 times, Kentucky, 19 times. So each last two weeks, the only two games this year under 20 passing attempts. 
And that's not because we all of a sudden had a philosophical shift that we're just not going to throw the football anymore. We don't trust that's a minute. That's not what it was. It's simply Todd Munkin in our offense trying to take advantage of what the defense gives us. And also, a lot of our plays, our run plays, are RPOs. They're tagged as RPOs. And we have a pre-snap read and then also a post-snap read. depends on the play based on what the defense is doing. And if that pre-snap and post-snap read says, hey, hand the ball off, we hand the ball off. And that's kind of what you're seeing. Like when they're playing us that way, they're literally trying to take away the pass game and, and take away those vertical shots down the field, what I call the kill shots. You hand the ball off and you don't throw the ball as much. And so it looks like all of a sudden, you know, we're not trying to score points, as you say, or we're kind of reverting back to like the old Georgia. I don't think that's the case at all. I think it's just like simply a case of a really good offensive coordinator saying, you know what, I'm not going to force things. I'm going to be smart here and I'm going to take what the defense gives us because we're still going to win these football games. And again, that's what I said in the recap episode. I think it's a sign that this Georgia offense is really good, that we are able to play different types of games and win in different ways. We don't just have a fastball. We got a curve. We got a change. We got a slider. We can win however you want us to have to beat you. And I think that's actually a strength of this team. And that's how I look at it as opposed to a weakness. That's just me. That's just me. Okay, our next question is from Trey. And he says that press coverage seems to be kryptonite, excuse me, um, to the receivers on our team not named Lad McConkie. Um, he says if A.D. Mitchell returns in a real way, which I think that's highly unlikely. He, he dressed out last last game, Charlie, against Tech. He was on the sideline. That's a step. I don't know. I mean, we'll see if he plays and how much, but it's a step well, in the right direction. Well, if he does return in a big way, do you think we can bring the conventional deep ball back? Okay, before I answer this question, I have to ask you, because I know you're just so into superhero movies. Kryptonite. What superhero? Superman. Whoa! Like, off the bat. Yeah. I'm impressed, Charlie. I guess, like, he's the, one of the most... Famous superheroes. That's an older one, too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I know you're like super into Marvel and all those people. Big time. Big time Marvel fan over here. Absolutely not. Have you ever even seen one? Have you seen a Marvel movie? I have, but I don't like them. I usually fall asleep. Which one did you see? Why would you watch it if you fall asleep? I mean, if you, if somebody wants to go to the movie, you know, you have to... You, you go with other people. You gotta yeah. go. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Anyway. All right. To this question. Yeah. Trey, I get... I get where you're coming from too, man. So press coverage seems to be kryptonite to our receivers, not named Lad. I think press coverage, yes. I think just in general, though, our receivers that are playing right now, not named Lad, have difficulty creating consistent separation against any type of man coverage, whether it's press man coverage or whatever. I think there's difficulties there. They're having issues. And I think Arian Smith is the other guy that has shown he can create separation, but He's a one-trick pony right now and how he does that. He does that with flat-out speed, like vertical shots, right? Slot fades primarily is what we're, we're using with him. Lad is a little bit different, right? Lad can, he's got the speed to beat you on the fade. He can also, he's got the, the short area quickness and the elusiveness to kind of beat you on some of those whip routes, the, the, the choice routes, things like that, a screen game as well. So you're right, though. Lad has been the one guy that's been able to kind of consistently create some separation. The other guys have not. I do agree with you that, the, I mean, the only way that's going to change, those guys are who they are right now. And maybe they get better at that as time goes on, potentially. I keep waiting for Arian Smith to get like to where he's able to like play, you know, 20, 30, 40 snaps a game. But it's just, I don't think it's going to happen this year. It's whatever, you know. it's I think it's too much to expect that to happen this year, maybe next year. And I feel like I keep saying that. But I think AD is the one. We've seen AD do that. So we know he has the ability to do that. If he's healthy, the question becomes, as you say, like, do we get him back? Like, getting the conventional deep ball back in our offense. I think, again, I think Aaron can do that. Latchley can do that. Our tight ends can do that. Or at least Brock can do that to a degree. But AD is that X receiver. He's like the true alpha number one X receiver 
that we have on the roster right now. And that has been an issue for us. You know, I go back to the last question from Jake DeRake. Are we tr- even trying to score points? Well, if we had AD out there against some of the coverages that we're seeing, maybe we're more willing to take some of those risks and throw the ball down the field. But we don't have a guy like that out there right now. So I think it's critical for us to get him back. I've told you guys in the past that one of my biggest concerns for this team moving into the playoffs or the postseason um, when we play much better teams is are we going to face somebody that can stop the run game with with uh, with even numbers in the box? And not uh, and not allow us to beat them vertically down the field in the passing game with, with man coverage and those kind of like man-on-man situations. We haven't seen that team yet. Kentucky tried, but we ran for 250 on them. Tech tried, we ran for 250 plus on them. But is there a team that we're going to play somewhere down the road if AD's not back, like maybe a Michigan, for instance, that can hold us to, you know, like around the 100, 125 mark with even numbers in the box and be able to play those two high safety shells that we've seen the last two weeks and take away anything their offense wants to do. That is a huge concern of mine. AD alleviates a lot of that. I'm extraordinarily hopeful that he can come back at least for the playoffs. He has another month, right, after this week. This week, I think I think there's a chance he's going to play some. I wouldn't expect it to be a lot. Hopefully, we won't need him against LSU because, I mean, LSU is a good team. And they certainly are capable of beating us, but they're not on the same level as, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, those kind of teams. Like, I don't think they're a legit playoff caliber team, as we saw last week when they lost to AM uh, to end their regular season. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that if you're looking for, for hope to get the, the conventional deep ball back in the offense, I do think, you know, based on what we've seen this year, like getting AD back and matching him along with Lad McConkey, like we saw in week one against Oregon, I think that's our best hope. Okay, well, we have not had many Stetson Bennett questions this year. Compared to last year. Hell, every week it was like three, four, five questions. But we do have a couple today. Roxanne says that a few years ago, Tua got a high ankle sprain. Everyone was shocked when he was still in the game because it was a blowout at that point. Um, She says that she's kind of noticing the same thing, that Kirby puts in the second and third string defense and some second string receivers, but keeps Stetson in far too long in her opinion. She doesn't like seeing Stetson scramble in garbage time to risk an injury. And plus, he'll be leaving next year, so wouldn't it be good for Carson Beck um, to get some real reps or other, other quarterbacks, quarterbacks as well, yeah. also, other than just handing off the ball? So her question is, why is Kirby so hesitant to give our backup quarterbacks meaningful reps when he doesn't have the same hesitations on defense? This is a really astute question. And Roxanne, thank you very much. So this is the first question we've ever gotten from Roxanne. And Roxanne had a request, um, so she emailed this question to me. And she's exactly right. She um, asked me to... Uh, be more consistent in giving out the email address because not everyone like charts. I think she actually literally said, Charlie, let me give you the email. She said in her email, not all of us. Let me see this right here. I know this is terrible podcasting. Um, all right. So yes, uh, y'all should state your email address more for people like Charlie and myself who aren't on social media. She's calling you out. I'm just kidding. She's not calling you out because she's not uh, on no, social media. No, I either. am on social media, but I don't post or do any of that. So yes, I agree. The web, the web address. <laughs> The email address would be helpful. So the email address is gloryujpodcast at gmail.com. So thank you for that suggestion, Roxanne. I think you're exactly right. And I will try to do that. And one more time for the people who. For people in the back. Who, uh, who need gloryujpodcast at gmail.com. On Instagram, it's gloryujpodcast. And on Twitter, it's at glory underscore uga if you want to get us those questions. So there you go. Again, Roxanne, thank you. It's nice to have um, some new blood in here asking some questions. So. This is a great point, Roxanne. I will say, I do think early in the season, Kirby did a really good job. Like, go back to the Oregon game and also the, the South Carolina game. Like, we got Carson Beck in that game, you know, 
before the midway point of the third quarter. And and when we put them in the game, we're actually letting this guy throw the football. So I think there have been games where we've done a good job of that, but we haven't seen it as much lately. And I think the Georgia Tech game is obviously the most recent game and it's the most recent example. And you're right, I think we left Stetson a little bit longer there. I think part of that is, I mean, we, I think we have a question about this next up um, when it talks about Stetson Bennett. Um, but I think part of that is like Stetson hasn't been as sharp lately, right? And I think that Kirby recognized that. We all see it. Kirby's he knows more about football than all of us, you know? I mean, it just is what he is. He's a pro at it. And he sees that, and he wants to get Stetson's confidence where, where he wants to be going in the postseason. I think he wants to make sure we have that cohesiveness offensively, all those kind of things. I think that certainly factors into it to a degree, but your point is very well taken. I, I would like to see us, you know, I do cringe when Stetson's out there in, in garbage time where, like, we're going to win the game. It's pretty clear. It's like, oh, God, like, please don't let this guy get hurt in this moment. Like, that'd be terrible. And it'd also be nice to see see some of these younger quarterbacks get some reps as well since they're going to be the ones competing for the job next year. So your point is very well taken. I don't really disagree with you. But I think to kind of answer your question, why is Kirby doing it? I think he sees that Stetson hasn't been as sharp. I mean, wants to make sure he has that confidence where where it needs to be going the postseason and just kind of gets him back on the track that he was on earlier in the season. All right, great. So next, Art asks, do you think Stetson is hurt? His productivity is steadily declined and he seems to be indecisive. Says he's holding on the ball and missing guys repeatedly, open guys repeatedly. What's your take on that? Yeah, I kind of agree with you, Art. I mean, I, I will go back to what I was saying. The last two weeks, he has not had many opportunities to throw the football because defenses are defending us in a different way. You know, 10 of 18 for 140 yards, only 55% completion percentage for Stetson against Tech. I mean, statistically, his worst game, one of his worst games ever, honestly, as a Georgia quarterback. Uh, 13 and 19 against Kentucky for uh, was that 68% completion percentage, uh, 116 yards in that game. Uh, back-to-back games where, I mean, it hasn't even been close to the Stetson minute that we've seen for the vast majority of the season. I mean, those aren't even like 2020 Stetson minute numbers. Like, he was better. His numbers were better in 2020. Like, those are numbers that we have never seen from Stetson Bennett, like, in his entire career here at Georgia. So, I, I get where the concern is. My concern is what you said, the last thing you said. Like, there have been too many instances recently, not even just the last two games. We go back to Mississippi State a little bit. Florida was a very bad game for him, where guys are are. I mean, sometimes, yeah, wide open, maybe not always wide open, but open enough. And Stetson had been making those throws all year long and hitting them routinely and has been missing them more frequently the past couple of weeks. And that does concern me because we are going to need the Stetson minute we saw the first half of the season as we enter the college football playoffs. We're going to play better teams. That's just what happens, right? And I will say Stetson does have that big game gene. Like he's just like, he is clutch in those big games with the exception being, of course, the Alabama SEC Championship game last year, but came back and was massive and huge against Michigan, answered the bell in a big way, same thing in the National Championship game. We saw us play against Oregon, against South Carolina, against Tennessee. Like he, he was spot, he was just on fire in all those games. So I do have a level of confidence there, but the fact remains, you're right. Like he hasn't been as sharp. I'm um, holding the ball a little bit long at, at times, yes. Uh, missing guys that are open, yes. Um, so you're right in saying that his production technically has declined. Again, I do think that the the way teams are defending us is a little bit different because it's just kind of taking us out of our rhythm offensively and the things that we want that we've been doing all year long, and we have to adjust that. But regardless of how teams are defending us, Stetson's got to be better. Like when you have an open guy, that's not it's not really about how someone's defending you. You've got to hit the open guy. And there have been too many examples recently where that hasn't always happened and that's got to happen when you play these teams that we're going to play here over the next month or so okay 
Paul has our next question. He says that he agrees with you about Smile being the obvious choice to spy Jaden Daniels on Saturday. Yep, yep. But he's curious if you think Jalen Walker would also be up to the task so that would allow Mondin to drop back in coverage. He knows Walker is a freshman, but he has a full regular season under his belt at this point. It's a great question, Paul. I'm I'm a big fan of Jalen Walker's. I thought that we would see more of him early in the year because I know he had a really good um, fall camp. The coaches are really high on him long term. I'm really high on his potential as, a, as an inside linebacker long term. But for that to be the case, okay, two things. That he's really on the field right now in our third down packages. So on third downs, yes, absolutely we can use Jalen Walker to spy Jane Daniels. And we can we have a little versatility there and we can do some different things. Absolutely, 100%. I, I imagine we will do that and I do want us to do that. The problem, though, is we're not always in that third down defense, right? Like We're not always in our dime defense. That's in third and long situations. That only happens a handful of times a game. That's why he plays about 10-ish snaps a game usually because those are the only times he's on the field. So what are we doing in standard downs? Who's the option in standard downs? Like last year, it could have been Nicobe Dean. It could have been Quay Walker. It could have been Channing Tindall. It could have been uh, Trayvon Walker. It could have been Nolan Smith. Any of those guys. At times, it was even Jalen Carter a few times here and there. We've done that some this year as well. We had a number of different options that we could use to keep defenses, keep offenses off balance and not know exactly who we were going to use and where we are going to line them up and where they're going to be coming from. We don't have as many of those options this year. That's why I was going back to, I think, Jonathan's question. Like we just don't have the depth and the uh, the talent level that we had last year. We're still extraordinarily talented, you know, relative to the rest of the country, and ha- or have great depth relative to everyone else, but not like we had last year on the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, defensively right now, unless you find a way to get Jalen Carter on the ball and stand or uh, in the game on standard downs, like I don't know who the other option is. I mean, Pop's the other option. I don't like that option, honestly. Um, Nolan Smith would have been an option, but not an option anymore. Robert Beal cannot do that? No, God, no. Chaz Chambliss, dear God, no. That that just can't happen. So Jalen Carter at times, but against Jaden Daniels, I mean, as athletic as, J- as Jalen Carter is, like he's not like Jaden Daniels level. level. I mean, that guy can move. He's deceptively fast. So I think standard down smiles the option unless you want to get creative and fancy and do something that we haven't seen before and start playing some different guys at, um, at outside linebacker. Maybe you put Jalen Walker in outside linebacker. Maybe you put a guy like Xavier Sori in an outside linebacker. Maybe even Michael Williams, who I think he's honestly more athletic than Beal or, or Chaz. I just don't think he's athletic like Nolan Smith. So I just, on standard downs, that's my concern. It's like in those situations, who are the other options? I don't know that we have really other options other than Smile Mondin. Okay, Jay Swift wants to know, which position are you most confident in and which has you the most worried Okay, let's start with most worried because <laughs> that's you know, that's how I am. That's how I'm wired. Outside linebacker. You guys know this. This is not news to you. I feel like I've been saying it ad nauseum for a couple of weeks now since the Noel Smith injury. We're just not good enough there, guys. I, I, it's a problem. It's a liability, and we've got to, we've got to find some ways to mitigate that. I think we have a question about this later on, so I don't want to go too far in detail now. We'll get to that a little bit later. I also say wide receiver. I've told you guys this year that wide receivers are concerned. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, if we don't get AD back, like if a team can slow down our run game, like a Michigan, I don't know. Do we have the ability to beat them through the air when they're being when they're playing a too high shell all game long? That's a question that has. To, I hope it doesn't have to be answered, but it's a possibility, and that concerns me. And then the position I am most confident in right now has got to be the offensive line, guys. This group has turned the corner. I know we were all over them. People were asking, people had, I had numerous people that were hitting me up asking, is it time to get rid 
of Stacey Searles already after like what five games after the Missouri game. And I get it, like we were the offensive line was bad. It was not a good enough effort against Missouri. But man, we have gotten better and better and better each and every week to the point where I do think this is the strength of the team right now. The way this unit is operating in cohesion, uh, the way they're communicating, and like honestly, just like working in tandem without even having to communicate at times. If you watch them closely. Uh, I think we're getting more movement. We're getting up to the second level better. Uh, I think that we just have a better understanding of what this, what we need to be doing uh, as an offensive line, and how to like when defenses are, you know, twisting and stunning and doing different things to try to throw issues our way and what we're trying to do. They're able to handle those more. Because a lot of that is just comes with playing time. Because you think about the guys who are playing right now, all but two. I mean, we have basically six, seven guys that we play consistently. There's only two of them that had any sort of meaningful playing time coming to this year with Cedric Van Pran and Warren McClendon. The other guys, they've been around for a while, but they haven't really played that much. So those kind of things that they were seeing, some of the issues that we were having earlier in the year, I think was more of a function. I think at this point, we can look back and say, like, those guys just needed time together, needed time to play, to see these things, to correct those mistakes. And now they've seen it and they corrected it and they are playing at an extraordinarily high level. And our running backs are running the ball really well right now too. But one of the reasons we're having so much success running the football, a Massive reason is the play of the offensive line. Okay, and Charlie, we need to take a break. And we, don't and we? You are reading my mind. We need to take a break, Charlie. I'm going to let you have this one because you are such an expert at doing ad reads. So tell all of our wonderful listeners about Alumni Hall. Well, we all know that we love Alumni Hall here at we the Fuller UGA we do. podcast. Christmas is around the corner or Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate, or maybe you just want to get yourself or someone you love something nice. I know that I ordered myself a new clear bag this week. Gotta have those. You're a costume ball fan. I mean, it's like the best purse because you don't care if you get it dirty because you can just get a Clorox wipe and clean it. But it's also nice to have different sizes. So I have a big one, but I want a small, like a medium size one with a fancy... um, I'm losing wallet thing. Strap. Strap. There strap. we go. Fancy, oh, the UGA, fancy strap. UGA strap. Yep. So you can find also. So if you know someone who needs a new clear bag, or maybe they just need another one, maybe you know, mix it up a little bit. Accessorize. Get them a clear bag for Christmas, or just for fun. Get yeah. yourself one. And that's one of like the practical things as a football fan. You have to have these. You cannot get into stadiums if you are carrying things in there. Especially in the winter, you can also pick up some like. Hoodies or pullovers or long Oh, they got shirts. tons of that stuff. Because it's yeah. cold now, and then you can put it in your new clear bag when you get hot. So you'll be playing inside on Saturday. There you go, Charlie. Yeah. You got it all figured out. So there you go, guys. Clear bags, hoodies, anything Q-zips, you need. Anything with a G on it. I or love another all, school. Is your go to place. No, well, I mean, yeah, but for us, it's G's. That's what we're going for. So make sure to stop in today inside the Esprit Shopping Center here in the Classic City or online at alumnihall.com because Alumni Hall is where. The Bulldog Shop. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. 
Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, our next question, we only have a, about four left. Our next question is from Jay Croc. He wants to, it's a Kenny McIntosh question. Love me some Kenny Mac. He wants to know if Kenny McIntosh needs more carries because that's how he feels. What's your Yeah, take? I, I am not going to argue with you there, man. I mean, I would love to see Kenny get more touches, but he has been getting more touches. I mean, I, I would be in favor of him seeing even more touches. I would certainly advocate that, but he's got five straight games now of double digit carries. And that might not sound like much because it's not necessarily 20 plus carries, but prior to the last five games, Kenny McIntosh has only had three games in his t- entire Georgia football career with double digit carries. Only three games prior to these last five. He's actually had 46 carries combined in the last three games. So not 20 carries a game, but he's getting more carries than he ever has in his career because he's earned those carries. And it really started, in my opinion, after the bye week against Florida. I know he fumbled in that game, but that dude was running like a man possessed in a way that I have never really seen him do with any sort of consistency. You've seen isolated examples of it, but we know what he has in terms of his ability to catch the ball in the backfield, his people to make his ability to make people miss in space, the elusiveness, the short air quickness, all of those things. Like we know what he brings to the table in that regard. We hadn't seen that consistent physicality from him. And now that's just what Kenny McIntosh is. Like he is just like seeking out contact at times and just running through people, carrying blockers, driving his legs, or carrying defenders, driving his legs, all of those things. And he's just running like a man possessed. So I honestly, I, I don't disagree with you. I was sitting there watching the game. It's like when Dejan Edwards would come in or, Ken, or Kendall Milton would come in, they're both really good backs. I'm glad we have them. I know we have to give, you know, we have to spread the wealth and we have to give guys some rest. But it's like, well, when Kenny's not in the game, like, do we have our best running back in the game? And it's kind of like, oh man, I'd love to have Kenny in right now. That's how I'm feeling right now. So I certainly uh, see where you're coming from there. And I actually completely agree with you, Jake Rock, 100%, man. Okay, I know you're going to love this question next. Garrett says that it seems like Chaz Chambliss is just out there running around and wants to know why Sori <laughs> isn't getting those reps. Oh, uh, I mean, another astute observation. Yes, Chaz Chambliss, God bless his soul, guys. I, I know that it feels like I'm just like ripping this guy left and right. And, and we I shouldn't don't because want to, you man. know you wish you were Chaz oh, Chambliss. Of course out I do. Just well, running I mean, around. Chaz works hard, man. Like, he, he plays hard. It's but, just you know, he's young and he's not ready to do it in well, these kind of games right now. And sometimes people are just better than you. Yeah, I mean, he's just he's not Nolan Smith. Like we, like, right. You're right. Like we kind of spoiled. You have Nolan Smith. You have Trayvon Walker. You've had, had Adam Anderson. You had Aziz Ojolari in the past. had Lorenzo Carter, Leonard Floyd. You have all these outside linebackers. And it's like, oh, then there's Chaz Chandler. So he's just not, I mean, from an athletic standpoint, he's not that guy. Right? He's just not. I mean, let's just be honest. But again, I will give Chaz credit. He plays really hard. In fact, sometimes I think, I know this sounds crazy. Does he play too hard? Because when you watch him play, I've talked about many times over the past couple weeks how I think his what his biggest issue is a lack of awareness of what's going on around him. And I when you really dig into it, I've been trying. I've been trying to dig into it and say, okay, you know what? What is he doing well? Like, what's going on here? And I think he plays so hard and he tries so hard to, to take on blocks and it's what we call closing. That's that's what Kirby calls it. When you close, you're taking like those pulling guards, like you're closing on them, like you're blowing them up so the inside linebacker can scrape over the top and make the play. He does that with such like reckless abandon and such like glee that like he just like throws his body out there and it does kind of look like he's just running around and he's like running in circles, like turning his head on a swivel, like not knowing what's going on. 
But I think it's honestly like just a byproduct of him like playing really, really, really hard and just not focusing on what else is going on around him. And I'm laughing because I'm so like worried about it. I know it's crazy. Why isn't Xavion Sword getting those reps? That's a good question. So Xavion Sword is a guy that you know came in kind of a tweener, and I I didn't know he's gonna play outside linebacker, he's gonna play inside linebacker. Honestly, coming out of high school, I thought he was gonna be a better fit as an outside linebacker. He got here to Athens and he started out pretty much an inside linebacker. And that's and you know this year he was playing Jalen Walker's role early this season, right? Coming on third downs and being that that extra linebacker coming that's coming in, coming an athlete. Well, Jalen Walker's kind of taking that spot for him, so Sori's not really been doing as much. I still think if he added a little bit more weight, he'd be a better fit for us at outside linebacker. That's my opinion. I could be wrong there. The coaches see far more than I do. They're smarter than me, and they know more about football than I do, so I usually kind of defer to them in those situations. But I don't think that's a bad idea at all, because at the very least, I think he can function out there. Uh, now, he, the problem is he hasn't been practicing, as far as I know, outside linebacker full-time or even any at all. I don't know if he has been doing any of that at all. And so, it's, you know, you can say, well, if this guy played that position in high school, but just throwing him out there in an SEC game or in a cultural playoff game when he hasn't really played it and in practicing that in college, it's a different animal. Does he know the calls, all the techniques and all those kind of things that we want him to use, the fundamentals? I don't know if the answer is yes. So it's easier said than done. Like, you know, I, I wish we could just kind of plug and play like that. I just don't know if that's the the reality. And that's the same thing with, for, with Michael Williams. Because I thought, you know, like, okay, what are some solutions here? To me, I think Michael Williams, Xavier and Sawyer's a really good idea. I think Michael is a good idea, a good option there at outside linebacker. But the problem is he hasn't been cross-trained. Now, if it's like, you know, year three of Michael Williams in our program, he's probably had some time to cross-train. He's still a freshman, still trying to learn how to play that one position. You have to learn one position before you start cross-training, right? And I don't know if he's mastered that one position as a, as a five-technique of end. So I don't really think that it's much of an option there because I don't think he's practiced there. Now, maybe if you get four weeks going into a college football playoff game, you can get him some reps there and start having him practice there and maybe we can come out and do a couple different things. But if you're talking about like a one-week you know, lead-up to a game, like the SEC Championship game, I don't know if there's enough time to just throw those guys in there and, and say, okay, we're just going to throw you out there and have you play consistently at that position. Maybe you can do them in isolated situations, like have a couple plays you run with those looks, but I don't think you can do it. Like that's what those guys are playing like full time now, which is tough. So I think right now, I mean, our options are who they are. It's Robert Beal, it's Chaz Chambliss, it's um, Mikhail Sherman, who, you know, we saw him play a little bit against Tech in the second half. And I mean, he has like, he has some limitations athletically, but does he have any more limitations than Chaz Chambliss does athletically? Like, does he not at least deserve a shot in games? Again, I, I usually defer to the coaches in these situations because, Again, they see these guys way more than I do, and they have way more information to operate off of than I do. But, I mean, let's just be real, guys. I mean, Chaz is playing as hard as he can, doing the best job he can, but there's a bit, it's been a big drop-off. Do we not need to at least like, see what Sherman can do out there? I don't know. But all I know is that Chaz Chambliss and Robert Beal, if you look at the snap counts the last two, three weeks, they're splitting reps almost like equally. And that's crazy to me. I think that, I know you want to rest guys. I think Bill should be getting more snaps. I mean, Bill's not you know, dynamic like Nolan Smith, but he's, he gives us more of a threat, in my opinion, than Chaz Chambliss does. But I don't know, man. I think right now, at this at this point in the year, until we get into the, you know, into the, I don't want to say offseason, I guess the, this month between games, we got after the SEC Championship game and the college football playoff games, which maybe have more time to rep guys at that position, I think we just have to roll with who we've got. And that's that does concern me. I'm not going to lie. That does concern me. All right, Jay Lee says that we keep getting beaten down the sidelines. Keep getting beat down the sidelines. Excuse me. So will LSU try to exploit that weakness? I'm assuming this is in the passing game, right? I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go, yeah. Yes. And I, 
I'm going to push back a little bit. There have been some some examples of where we've gotten beaten down the sidelines. I think Kentucky had a couple of big plays, one early in the game. I think their first drive down the sideline. They had a couple of big plays in the, the, the second half, third and fourth quarter, but those were in the middle of the field. I'm trying to think. Tech hit a slot fade against us, but that, that was like the only big passing play they hit. That wasn't really a sideline play. I'm trying to think. Tennessee didn't really have much success at all against us, and that was the most prolific offense that we'd faced all year. Mississippi State hit a couple, but not a ton relative to how many times they throw the football. So I'm not sure that we're getting beat down the sidelines that much. I think it just it's kind of magnified when it like usually never happens. And so you see it a couple of times. You're like, wow, we're getting beat way more down the sideline, which I guess technically is true when you go from like never happening to like a, like two or three times. Um, but I, I still think we're, you know, very good in that regard. I, I do think LSU will try to do some of that. I think the, the slot phase is what concerns me more than anything because that is what LSU does. Like Jaden Daniels is not a very um, efficient passer, in like the zero to twenty yard range, he's a he throws a really good vertical deep ball. He did that even going back to Arizona State, and they do have some talented receivers. They really like to get uh, Booty, Kayshawn Booty, and even times at times Malik Neighbors in there in the slot and get some mismatches there, and they throw that slot fade. He's very very good at throwing that. So that's what I expect them to see. Like vertical shots, yes, but not necessarily like a, a sideline shot to your ex receiver. Uh, you don't see that as much from LSU. They'll do that some. Don't be wrong. They will, and I expect them to try that some in this game as well. But um, the slot fade is honestly what concerns me more about LSU than anything with that offense in terms of the passing game. All right, last question for today. We always try to keep it interesting, throw in the fun one at the end. Is this a fun one? This is just a oof. I mean, Keith wants to know what you make of the Hugh Freeze hire at all. I want to get your take, Charlie. Okay. And for this last question, if you have kids in the car or you have kids with you, you might want to hit pause and finish listening to the last question on your own. Sugar warning. Well, you know. Not sugar warning. It's just maybe something you don't want kids to hear. It's horrible language, but you probably don't want to have to explain some things to children. You don't want kids asking some questions that might come from this conversation. So press pause and listen later. I do find it ironic that they were trying to, like, make a huge scandal out of Harson last summer that, so they could fire him, but now they're hiring someone who is known to have... It was a confirmed scandal. Yes. A pretty significant confirmed <sighs> scandal. Not, and not just, like, the sex scandal with the hookers, but, like, also, I don't know, paying players. Right. So there's that, which I find interesting. But, I mean, also, like, we all make mistakes... This is where I struggle. And I believe in giving people second chances. Like I don't really like cancel culture. I don't want to like... But at the same time, there were a lot of things that he did wrong mm-hmm. that I don't know that you get a second chance for all of those things. Like, I don't think, I think you get... I there are certain things. I don't know that if you do like three really bad things that... That just like it gets wiped away. Yeah, I struggle with this because I don't. I don't like the concept of cancel culture, right? Like you make a mistake and like now you can't work ever again. Like you just like your life is done. Like uh, there's got to be some some room somewhere for some sort of redemption. I mean, he's a great coach. He can do that. Very successful wherever he's been. Absolutely, he can do that. Yes, but like if I would have a lot of trouble being happy about that hire if that were to happen at UGA. Yes. My issue, it's not really an issue. I just think it's kind of funny. It's the, as you mentioned, the irony and the hypocrisy in Auburn here. Let's go back to the 90s, guys. Like Terry Bowden. You guys, a lot of you probably remember that name. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. I feel like, if I remember correctly, Terry Bowden won something like 85 plus percent of his games at Auburn when he was there. And that dude got fired, not because of, of poor results on the field, but 
uh, at least according to legend and rumor, because he was having or he had sex with a booster's wife, right? And they fired the guy for that. And then now you're gonna go turn around twenty some odd years later, and you're gonna hire Hugh Freeze, who's calling hookers on his school issued cell phone beyond just like, hey, we probably shouldn't call hookers. Being being dumb enough to do it on your school issued cell phone, like, dear God, like, what are you doing? And then all the courses, and you, you see that, and I guess the headlines, but let's not forget he had a lot of NCAA infractions and issues as well, paying players. I know it's legal now, but it wasn't legal back then, so you're getting a competitive advantage when it was illegal, which I also have a problem with. I just find it funny when Auburn wants to act like they're that, it's family, right? It's all about family and family values, and we do things the right way here, and then you go and hire this guy, and now like they're trying to justify it by saying, well, everybody deserves a second chance. It's like, well, I mean, okay, that's fine. Here's what I say to the second chance thing, Charlie. Who am I to cast stones, I guess, but here's what I would say. If I was in charge of making this hire, it was my program, would you want Hugh Freeze as your head coach representing you and your university? I would not, personally. I, I would not. I'm not saying the guy should never be able to work again, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying he should be canceled forever. I'm just saying at some point you have to stand up and say he does not represent the values that I stand for and that we stand for. I don't think that means you're canceling somebody and saying that this guy can never have a job ever again. You're just saying at some point to stand up and say we're going to – instead of just talking the talk, we're actually going to walk the walk, right? A lot of people talk the talk. It's very easy to talk about how how much you care about family values and those kind of things. But – there's, it's it's so rare in today's world people actually put that into practice. They actually live it, right? We can talk it, but do you live it? And Auburn, I, just, I don't ever want to hear from Auburn again about how decent their program is and what kind of fantastic people they are. And, they, and they're just full of integrity there. You can't you can't hire Hugh Freeze and say that. That's fine. If you want to win football games, I get it. Like, you'll win football games, right? And I'm not going to sit here and say you're selling your soul to the devil. Like, I'm not going to go that far. But... You're, you're not walking the walk. You're not living what you're talking about. And that's where I think the hypocrisy comes into play and the irony. And that's where I kind of say, I personally, if those are values that are important to me, which they are, I would not feel comfortable making that higher, personally. Agreed. All right, so. That's it for today. That's it. Don't win games, though. Don't win games. You know, add a little spice there in SEC West, but uh, we'll see how that all plays out. But that's it for today. Charlie is correct. I will be back here in a day or two with our official SEC Championship preview. We've talked to SEC Championship already. We've kind of danced around it, but I'm going to go full-on deep dive into that for you guys here. So we'll have that for you. And, of course, Charlie and I will be back for our picks of the week. The regular season is over, but our picks are far from over, Charlie. Um, uh, not a great week for me last week. Definitely not a great week. I feel like I might never bet on Rivalry Week ever again because it's just like chaos. Like things that don't yeah. ever happen just happen in Rivalry Week. Mm. I, I kind of made up for it in the back, in the late slot, the late time slot. So it wasn't like a complete bloodbath, but there were moments where I thought it was like a catastrophe for me. Last I, week. I, didn't, I, I came out like kind of even-ish, but it was not good. I didn't have many check marks this week. There were a lot of strikethroughs. I did not have as many check marks. But it's okay, guys. It's not rivalry week anymore. It's championship week. And this is going to be, we're going to have more winners for you. A lot of winners. Like we've had, you know, 60% coming in last week. So we'll have that for you guys later this week as well. But thank you all for being here. Thank you all for the questions. As Roxanne, I'm going to go back to Roxanne here. Thank you for that question, Roxanne. Gmail, our Gmail account. You can email us any questions you have, any comments, anything you want to say at gloryujapodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to put that out there one more time. Thank you guys for being here. For Charlie, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.